long. So let's get to it. Praise God. Open your Bible. At the bottom of your notes, you have coming attractions. That's the next two sermons for Wednesday and Sunday. You're free to look at that on your own. And um, we're in a series on Wednesday nights called Model of Great Living. And you can study uh, those notes, look over them. We'll give you more information on Wednesday night. Then next week, we'll pick up again, Overcoming Distractions and Ignorance. Now, I'm going to apologize one time for all squeals. And so, this is the way it is today, and we all say amen. amen. You know, um, God uses people who don't mind putting themselves on the line, who are not afraid. And I gave you seven things we cannot be if we're going to be successful. And the seven things we wrapped around a term called Blastic, B-L-A-S-D-I-C, our own little acronym. So now you know the seven things, but I'll let you just repeat them after me. If we're going to be successful, we cannot be broke. Say we cannot be broke. We cannot be lazy. We cannot be afraid. We cannot be slow. We cannot be distracted. We cannot be ignorant. And we cannot be carnal. If you're going to be successful, if you're really going to make a difference, you can't do it without resources. You have to, you have, to have the ability to do good. If I see a hungry person, I need the capacity to help them. And I can't be lazy. I can't be the kind of person you got to wake up in the morning and force to go to work. I cannot be afraid. I can't be afraid that something might happen to me. I cannot be slow if I take too long to respond to opportunity. If I take too long, if our church takes too long, then we miss opportunity. God can't use us. He has to move on to somebody else. I cannot be distracted. I must be clear about what's important right now in my life. And for some of us, it's your friends. It's the people that you are around. They distract you. I cannot be ignorant. I have to know where to put the right things at the right time. I have to understand. And I cannot be carnal. I cannot operate in the flesh. I have to be real clear about the importance of operating in the spirit of God. Now, those are things that I said we can't be. So what I did was I set out to talk about them. So last week we talked about broken lazy, overcoming broken lazy. Today we talk about overcoming fear and slow, being fearful and slow. Look with me, if you would, please, at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now, all of us <clears throat> have faced fear. Sometimes it's a fear of being embarrassed. It's a fear of a person, a fear of a consequence. We all know what it's like to be afraid. I don't know what made you fearful. But for some people, they can go back in their mind and say, it all started 
on Thursday, January 4th, 19, and you know the year. For some of you, it started in the year 2000, 2001. I don't know where it was. I, I was um, in a store one time, and there was a teenage girl, had a little brother. And uh, I don't know what was going on between them, but something happened, and she hit him. She hit him and boxed him. And uh, he started to cry. And uh, she boxed him again and said these words, be a man. <laughs> she did. She, 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 I looked over at her. And, uh, and they, it was over. They, you know, a couple of, and, and, and then, I don't know, later on, whatever it was that she was mad with him about, she was wrong and she discovered it. And when she discovered it, she went back to him and apologized. And when he apologized, when she apologized, he looked at her like, I don't even want to hear it. And she looked at him and said, toughen up and be a man. Don't be us. And she told him, don't be a, you know, don't be a wimp. She didn't use that word. And I looked at her and I thought to myself, one day you won't be able to hit him like that. See, see, you're teaching him. You're teaching him something you don't want to teach him. Fear starts sometimes after a whipping. Fear starts after your mama chased you around the house with that extension cord. And you know what you say when you get to be an adult? It's the truth. You know what you say? When I get to be an adult, nobody will ever whip me again. That's why you carry a gun. I'd rather be dead. It's amazing where people's fear starts. It starts and it rules. It dominates your life. What are you afraid of? Being broke? What are you afraid of? Being alone? Fear makes you hold on to people in your life you don't need in your life. Fear can make you foolish. You paid all that money to go to school and you're so afraid of being alone. You'll date somebody that distracts you, lowers your grades, but you're so afraid to be alone, you'd rather fail than be by yourself. Fear can make you foolish, but then there's a positive side to fear. You know, some things you need to be afraid of. Deuteronomy 6 says, let me give you one thing you should fear. God said, that's me. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> You'll love it. It's a great text. <clears throat> now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Now look at verse 2. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes. He wants you to fear him when, verse 1 says, when you enter the promised land. Now, let me give you two definitions for fear. Fear means to be frightened. It means to tremble. The Bible says in Philippians 2, the bottom of verse 12, I won't turn there, but it says, 
You have to honor God with fear and trembling. There's reverence. That's one side of fear. Well, I worship God. Well, I, I so revere him that when I come into his presence, I understand where I stand. I reverence him. It's what you have in the military, that respect. When you see an officer, there's a way you snap to because you understand who you're dealing with. There's reverence. There's a, when the general comes in, everybody understands who this person is. There's, a, there's, a, there's an atmosphere that they want to create around this position. And when you're dealing with God, there should be reverence. Reverence, far beyond any general. Reverence that honors him as God in your life. But there's also the other side of respect where you fear the consequences of not being reverential. You understand who you're dealing with. So there's the, there is the trembling side of it. And then there's the worship side of it, the respect side, the honor side. I want to tell you, it, it's good to keep that in mind. It's good for us as a church to never get so casual with the word of God and with the things of God that we don't fear him. There are a lot of ministries that I, I watched develop over the years and they lose all their respect for God. They're not, they don't reverence where they are. They, they're people that can come to church and this is a real danger for those of you young people who've grown up in this church, you've been here a long time. You can get to the place that you don't remember where you are. You don't remember what you're doing. You lose perspective. You don't fear God. But you should. You should remember that it's God who gave you life. And a society that doesn't reverence God eventually runs into itself. So there's a positive side of fear. But please understand, the greatest, the greatest danger is when you get to a place of blessing, when you get to that place where you graduated from college, you're now at the place in your career you've always dreamed of. If you're not careful, you'll forget God. It's good for you to remember God when you get to your promised land. That's what he tells them. When you get to the promised land, you are now married. You have the man you want, the husband you want, the life you want. You have the car you want. You have the look you want. You got to be careful. You know, you gotta, when, if, you're, if you feel ugly, sometimes you pray harder. Lord Jesus, help me look. Uh, help me look. But when you start looking fine, things start falling off of you. And people transform. There are a lot of studies of people who've gone through these transformations, these makeovers. And when they get made over, they lose sight of who they are. You get to your promised land. They say people who are more educated, who have the most money, give the less they give them less of a percentage of their income than poor people. And they're less likely to go to church, less likely to be spiritual. Because they become self-sufficient. Once you get what you're praying for, you don't care anymore. The wealthier you become, the more liberal you become in your thinking, in your approach to life. Because you get this feeling that I don't need God. You should be afraid of that. So it's good to remember God when you get to your promised land. But it's bad for you to allow fear to dominate the day-to-day -day of your life. Fear God, reverence God, but don't fear living life. 2 Timothy chapter 1, turn to verse 7. God never wants you 
to be afraid to live ever. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For some people, every day is a day of fear. And here's what he said. God has not, verse 7, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or an attitude of fear. I am not supposed to be living my life dominated by what might happen or what might go wrong in my life. There are three things he said I'm supposed to have. Look at the text, verse 7. I'm supposed to have power, love, and a sound mind. Now say all three with me, please. Come on. Power, love, and a sound mind. All three. I'm supposed to be in a power position, not a weak position. If you looked at my life, I am supposed to be in a position where I'm in control. Secondly, I'm supposed to be able to love. I am not a person who is supposed to be carrying around a bunch of hatred and strife. Power, love, and then the third thing he said is a sound mind. My mind should be stable. It's so easy for life and children and all the pressures that life brings to make you think you can't control your life. The Bible said God gave me the power and the capacity to have three present realities in my life. I am in a power position. I am in love. I can love and I am sound. I am balanced. That's what sound means. I'm balanced in my thinking. I don't think that Christians, by and large, my honest opinion, have been given a balanced perspective. I think that Christians have sometimes because of, it depends on where you go to church, it depends on your exposure. Sometimes you have ideas in your mind, the way you label things, that, that causes you to tilt. And I see it was tragic. I've been here 26 years, 25 years, going on my 26th year. And I'm telling you, all the time I've been here, I'm 48 years old, I've been pastoring the churches in my early 20s, I've watched people grow up in this church. And I've watched them tilt left. I've watched them tilt right. I've watched whole families go in the wrong direction. And a lot of times, I, 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 I stand back as a pastor and say, what happened? How, how did this praying, love God, sincere family that meant so well end up way over here? And a lot of times, I'm telling you right now, it's fear. It's a fear of trying something new. They do what they've always seen done. They don't try a new way, a new approach. They're, they're so safe where they are. And somehow, when the Lord calls them to say, you know what, I've got a way for you that's better than where you've been. They're afraid to say, well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't live the way we've been living. Let's try this way. They'll come here every sermon I preach. But they never change. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid to release? What are you afraid to try? God did not call you to live a fearful life. If you see where you're going is wrong, stop. Pause. Ask yourself, am I, am I really scared to stop being the kind of woman I am? It's not getting me where I want to be. Am I afraid? 
to face. I watch guys, their churches are, are shrinking by the week, and they'll, they'll keep holding long services, four hours and five hours. My best friends of mine said, well, why do you have church so long? People want to go home. They're tired, nothing personal, but, but they're afraid to try. They're afraid. They've held on to traditions, traditions that run people from church. Christians can be a one-nation people. Americans are like that often. We're so Americanized, we have no clue. How many of you are from a foreign country? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You're not from America. Raise your hand. Okay. Now, see, I want to tell you. Tell me, tell me where you're from. Trinidad. Trinidad. Where are you from? Raise your hand. Be proud. Where are you from? Trinidad. Where are you from? Cameron, West Africa. God bless you, dog. Where are you from? St. Thomas. Somebody else, where are you from? Trinidad. Trinidad's in the house today, isn't it? Trinidad. Yes, where are you from? Uganda. Uganda. You know, my wife and I are feeding um, some kids in Uganda every week. Um, our church just bought a bunch of pews for some churches in Uganda. Thank you. Bless you. Amen. Bless you. Yes. South Africa. What part of South Africa? Durban. There you go. Durban by the sea. <laughs> go over. Yes. Yes. Germany. What part of Germany? South. Good. Did, did you say it again? Say it. Stuttgart. I did good? Stuttgart. Okay. Yes. Where are you from? Trinidad. Trinidad is just taking over this church. I'm telling you now. Yes. Jamaica. What part of Jamaica? St. James. Uh, in the country. Okay. Good. You're behind you? Nigeria. What part of Nigeria? West Nigeria. Wonderful. You got, is that city? What city? Balom? Ibadom. I'm, am I close, girl? A little bit. I'm close. Yay, I'm trying. Okay. Is that it? Now, see? You, one more. Where, where? From Japan. That's right. You're my man. That's right. From Japan. Um, I told him I haven't been to Japan. I'm planning on stopping in Japan for the first time in my life in a few months. I'm, I'm going to swing on over to the Disney part. I'm, I'm going to preach in Korea, but I'm going to swing on through there. The plane lands, so I'm going to get out and walk on, the, walk on the ground a little bit. God bless you. Now, here's the point I want to make. There is something about realizing you're not the world. All around you are people who are not from where you're from. They can tell you stories. They can see what you can't see. See, that's why it's so important to not be afraid. Because fear will stop you. Let me show you that. Fear can stop you from trying to advance in life. Fear can cause you to allow one tragedy to stain all the events in your life. Everything in your life can be marked by it. The positive side of fear is you learn to reverence God and respect things you should respect. And when you encounter those things, you, 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 you bow with respect to those things. The negative side of fear is that it stops you. It causes you to carry stains all of your life. You no longer understand. You no longer can see past anything 
that happened to you. You can't go to school because you flunked out once. But I want to tell you something. God said, I never gave you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love. And what else did he say? A sound mind. So fear can dominate your life. Fear can cause you, I believe, to become a very slow person. I want to flip the switch a little bit here. Turn to Jonah chapter 1. I want to show you something. I said we cannot be fearful and we cannot be slow. Now, I want to show you that slow people sometimes are making a statement. Your actions have vocal cords. If I want to know where you really are, all I have to do is watch what you do. Did I say Jonah? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40 first. Let me show you the positive side first. Show you the negative in a moment. Isaiah 40. There's a positive side and there's a negative side. There are times you should not go fast. There are times you should slow down, think it through, and not run at life too fast. For some of us, you have, we have big plans. But the Bible says there's a wisdom in valuing a process. That's why school is so important because freshman, sophomore, junior, all that process is good for you. It shapes your thinking. Marriage for me, the first five years, next five years, each of the years we've been married, now 26 years of marriage. I've learned a lot in those years. Having children, my, old, my son's 24, and I'm telling you, there's something about raising a child from the time he's born, 24 years, you learn as a parent. There's a process. And that doesn't come quickly. It comes slowly. There's value in the process. Now, I'm going to throw something at you for a second. Surprise you. I believe that the Bible's guidelines for uh, sexual relationships, all the things the Bible says wait to do, are designed for a reason. He knows you. He knows how you're wired. The reason why there are certain things that shouldn't come quickly is because you're not really ready for it, not totally. And a lot of you have been in love relationships and You've been around, you know, a couple of different relationships and, and you, you think about how you feel. Something in you hurts when it's ripped apart. The demands of it. And God knew, knew that that wouldn't be good for you. So he said, slow down. I'm not trying to stop you from having fun. I just want you to slow down and understand there's a right way to do this and a right time. Marriage is a safe place for this to happen. If, you, if you're not careful, you go too fast. Get ahead of yourself. You, you felt lost, confused, and it's because maybe you didn't wait. It's a great statement. I want to just run to it. Verse 31. Oh, verse 28. Catch the whole thing. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, see, you wait for the right time, shall do what? Renew their strength. When you find yourself tired, 
You might have gone too fast. There's a time when you should slow it down a little bit. And, and you know, some of you are trying to be, I, I watch you, college students, some of you, you're, you're in college and you're so focused on being a, a wealthy person and a great business person that you're a horrible student. There is a seed sowing season in your life and there is a harvest season in your life. You don't need a Jaguar now. You don't need the most expensive ring, the most expensive piece of jewelry. You don't need that now. At 18, you don't need the, the, the final man in your life that you're going to live with forever. Amen. You see the freshmen, they come to campus looking for their husband. All right, where is it? <laughs> some women, some guys. There's a teaching I do with young people, and I, and I talk about several things I wish someone had told me. And one of the things I wish is they told me not to love so hard so early. So early. I mean, you see him, you see him at 12 years old. That's my man. That's my man. <laughs> at 12. Slow down. Slow down. Take your time. Because what happens is you get tired. And he says this. He says, verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And here's what they do. When, when, you, when you wait, you mount up with wings like eagles, and you run, and you're not weary, and you walk, and you don't faint. See, I, I have a busy schedule, but, but I want to tell you something. I'm bad. No, no, I want you to no, hear me. No, I'm trained. See, I've, I've done this a long time. I'm okay. I, I understand the process. I understand how to sleep. Slept good last night. So I go to bed early. I don't stay up all night. I've done that. Been dumb. Done that. Now I go to sleep. See, get under the covers all the way. All the way. Don't answer the phone. Don't talk all the time. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have a lot of appointments because I don't have time. I do the best I can. You know I'm a nice guy. I try to talk to all, all of you that I can. But the brother can... You ever see me run? I can run. You got to be fast to catch me too. I'm, I try, I, my wife, and my kids, none of them feel like I've neglected them because I've learned. See, but that's training. That's years and years of ministry, living life, being busy, business. You understand what I'm saying? So I, that's, that's why I can do this. I could not have what I have today if I thought like I did 10 years ago. I had to grow. I had to wait on the Lord and then he renewed my strength and now I'm mounting up with wings like eagles you hear me yeah. but but I'm not falling down because I waited some of you need to slow down and wait your turn yeah. now, all right and then there's a negative side and I'm done a negative side of waiting all right the negative side of waiting goes this way Jonah chapter one turn there go to the right don't get lost Oh, some of you going to say, now you lost him. Jonah, I don't know Jonah. Keep going to the right. Don't go to Malachi. You're too far. All right. See, if you don't know your way around the Bible, just kind of, just turn the pages one at a time. Just, see. <laughs> You'll get there. To the right. Small book. Four chapters. All right. Here's how it goes. Jonah is a guy who went too slow. He was too slow. That's the negative side. God called him to do something, and he took his time. What I want to delve into is why. 
and what that said about Jonah's thinking. Just two quick lessons. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, this is an example of how God will chase you down. So the wind's coming after Jonah. The mariners were afraid, the guys on the boat, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship and lain down. And look at this. He was asleep, under, he was asleep during judgment. You ever seen somebody that's being judged? They look like it but can't tell it. You see them. You say, you know, you look bad, but they think they look good. He's sleeping in the middle of judgment. So the guy, I'll paraphrase the rest. The guy comes down to Jonah and says, hey, Jonah, listen, um, get up and call on your God. We're about to die. And so Jonah gets up and he, he, you know, they all call on their God. And the guys, nothing's working. So they've thrown cargo off the ship. And so what happens, if you notice, verse 7 said, they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know. Now, for, for, for what purpose, for what cause this trouble has come upon us? So they cast lots. They prayed and said, God, we're going to throw these rocks or whatever that's up into the air and let it fall in front of who's guilty. And guess where it fell? Right in front of Jonah. Now, I want you to catch this. Jonah is the only godly person on the boat. Have you ever worked with a Christian, a believer, and he's the only problem in the whole company? <laughs> you, you ever seen one? It's amazing. He's saved, sanctified, and crazy. Right there, you said, Jesus, this is a nut. Working with me, this is <laughs> It falls in front of Jonah. It's amazing how you can be a believer and be causing trouble. Your slowness, your lack of response can cause the whole company to go down. Well, Jonah, Jonah um, says, well, guys, I'll tell you what happened. I serve the real God, not the one you serve, the phony God. I serve the real and living God. And he said, the only way you're going to get out of this is to throw me in the water. So the guys for a while tried. They tried not to throw him in. You know, that's, uh, now, you know, most unsaved just throw him in right away. Bam. Th throw you in. Bam. There you go. But they did. They tried to roll a while, tried to hold on to Jonah. And, and, and it, to me, if Jonah was honorable, he would have jumped in. Said, guys, you don't have to. He, he, see, he's the kind God has to get. <laughs> he wouldn't jump in. See, they had to pick him up and throw him in. Did you get that? You got to read this. It's a great story. He would not jump in. So they threw him in, and God had a fish waiting on him. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared, uh, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 17, a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. How many days? Three. And three nights. Now, my question would be, Jonah, how long is it going to take before you respond? Okay, you've already been in a storm. Now you're in the belly of the fish for three days. How much trouble does it take to get your attention? How long has God been knocking on your door? How many of these sermons have you heard? You know, some people are really slow to catch on. 
know, if you call me and you say, oh, Pastor Rick, I want you to come down and uh, uh, meet me at the mall. I say, okay, I'll meet you there. And, and you call 12 o'clock and it's 1 o'clock. I'm still not at the mall. You say, where are you, Pastor? I said, well, I'm down on River Street. And uh, some of you don't, don't, don't know where I'm about it, but just, just follow me. River Street. And then you call back an hour. You say, where are you? I'm on Broughton Street. Pastor Rick, you only went two blocks what? in one hour. <laughs> what you, what you doing? <laughs> Pastor Rick, that's just two blocks. And I said, well, don't worry, I'll be there. You hang up, call back another hour, hour and a half. And now it's 3.30. And you say, Pastor Rick, where are you? Oh, I'm on Liberty now. It says another two blocks. Pastor Rick, you're too slow. So you're praying for things, but by the time you respond, by the time you get there, it's too late. We're going to miss our 4 o'clock appointment. God can't wait on you sometimes. If he wants to expand the kingdom, if he wants to reach the laws, he can't wait for you to get through all this stuff. In my opinion, Christians are very selfish. Some of the stuff I hear, some of the music, it just irritates me. Because some of it just, it's all about you. I need to feel good. I need to be encouraged. I need, you spend all your life encouraging yourself, all your life believing for your harvest, all your life working on you. You don't have time for anybody else. You don't have any time to do anything for anybody else. Churches don't give away anything. They always want to offer. They got all these. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not picking on anybody. One more time. A lot of my friends whom I love, and I tell them the same thing. I understand right now the challenge is we need to pay all these TV bills because we're on TV. You know, not, not our church, but I'm saying we're about to launch again. I'm going on another network later on in about a year or so. But I'm, I'm working on it. I got a plan. So I'm working because I don't want to be like everybody else. A lot of folks. They're so desperate for money now. They got y'all giving, sending in money, first harvest, second harvest. All y'all, you, 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 I'm not against it. I'm not, these are my friends. I love them with all my heart. But I know when you owe $10,000 to be on for 30 minutes, you need somebody to send you something. And if you own every day $50,000, I'm not against it. See, I believe for that kind of money. There's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're not bad people. See, I understand that. But if the Christian church spends all of its money on just presenting itself to the world and the world is lost most non-christians don't watch christian television most non-christians don't care let me be real frank don't care what you do in here how many of you know folks i didn't say you you know folks who go to the club and hang out raise your hand i didn't say you went I ask you, did you know somebody? Now, why are you going to front in church? Act like you don't know anybody. I didn't say you. I didn't say you were there last night. I didn't say nothing. Did I say that? I didn't say that. Did I say that? Bruce, did I say that to anybody? I didn't say anybody, did I? Did I say, did I say anybody? Now, here's the question. One more time. How many of you know people who go hang out and party in the club? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, you know these people. Do they care what we're doing today? No. Are they going to ask you how church was? No. Christians spend all their time, all their time, focusing on themselves. They're self-consumed. God can't wait on you. Too slow. The world will die and go to hell waiting on you. So God has to raise up people who go faster, who are aggressive, who are beyond themselves. You're still working to get money for you. Your whole life is about getting money for you. Not tithing is just, a, is just an indication of where your values are. 
You, can't, you cannot be the kind of person that can be trusted with a lot. Jonah's response said, I don't feel any sense of urgency. Jonah's response said, I have no intention of acting. His response said, I don't care if the mission fails. I'm not going to those people. You may not say that with your words, but you say it with your actions. Because your actions have vocal cords. They speak volumes. That's why when they judge you, when they go back and they look at your credit report and they look at look where you worked, you know what they're looking at? Your actions. You may say that's not fair. No, no, no. It's, it's a fairness in it. You need to go look at them and say to yourself, what do my actions say about my values? What do my actions say about what I want to do and where I want to be? Your actions. You're telling me you want to achieve something in life and you're hanging around cool breeze, bubba bubba, hubba and crazy. Those are your friends. That's not true. Your actions don't, don't verify what you're saying. Jonah did not like God's plan. That's why he was slow. Let me show you. I'm right. Chapter 3, I'm almost done. Verse 1. The word of the Lord, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah on, on the dry ground. So Jonah now is free from the, from the whale. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Verse 4, Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, and he, he caused it, it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. He said, We're going to fast until God forgives us. Verse 10 Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented. God said, I'm not going to destroy them. Chapter 4. Look at, look at his response. Look at the response of Jonah. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, See, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? This is why I fled to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, Lord, please just kill me. Look at your neighbor say, attitude. <laughs> See, why was he so slow in responding? Listen, and I'm done. He did not agree with God in the first place. Your slow response could be an indication that you don't agree. If it takes you that long to decide to tithe or give offerings or evangelize or give your time or volunteer, man, please, that means you don't agree. There's something about your philosophy of life that says, I don't think this is important. And that's okay. But I think you should be honest with yourself. 
And it's hard to do that. It's hard to look at yourself and say, I don't like this. I run across people all the time who take a long time, too long. But if you want to be successful, it can't be that slow because he moves on. And one day you'll see yourself standing on the side. And what's powerful in this story is, you know, Jonah never changes his mind. There's no indication that Jonah ever changed his thinking. And God let him think that way. You know, the danger in this culture is that we're becoming more educated. We have more opportunity and we're more self-consumed. Be concerned that you're not trying to go find hungry people to feed. Be concerned that your biggest dream in life is a car. Be concerned that the biggest dream in your life is a house sitting on the water. Be concerned. Jesus. I drive a very nice car. I live in an awesome house. But I don't care. That is not why he died on the cross. That is not why he bled and suffered. That is not the alpha and the omega of the Christian message. That is not why we should prosper. That's not why we need money. That's not why we are here. That's not why we're building facilities. That's not why. We're not, we're not here just so we can fill up the pews. We're here because Jesus is looking for somebody who's willing to get up without fear, who's willing to move and touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone that's lost. And the question is, are you too slow to move? And will you change today? I'm out of time. I got to go. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for all that's been said. We leave this place today with faith and confidence. We've heard a message. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I need, to get, I, made, I need to make a decision about my life. I need to serve Jesus. I need to serve him with all my heart.